for every person that's working not only with the youth but in, in any kind of ministry can somebody share your takeaway from last week's meeting even just one thing People always follow a leader that ministers to them. Somebody else? A good leader teaches the kingdom of God. A good leader teaches the kingdom of God, yeah. Somebody else? What was the takeaway that, that you can remember? Jacob, what'd you say? Being amongst them. Being amongst them? Yeah, being amongst the people. He said uh, people always follow a leader that ministers to them. What does that mean? Like uh, what she said about uh, teaching the kingdom of God. You know? Okay. Anybody else? Something that you can remember? To me, ministering to their needs is knowing knowing what you, the people you're ministering to need. Like being around them, getting to know them, getting to know their hearts, and them opening up to you, and you being able to to teach them accordingly to what they need, to what they. Yeah. So, so one of the, one of the biggest mistakes that I've noticed, in in uh, and obviously because I've grown up in a Latino church, one of the biggest mistakes is is most youth groups. We and, and we made this mistake too at the beginning. Um, I remember being part of the youth group and we had our youth meetings on Saturdays. Why Saturdays? Because they were like, oh, that's you know when um, they're not doing anything or whatever it is. But everybody was picked Saturdays for whatever reason. And then what they would teach us, it wasn't anything that it had to do with what I was going through, with my questions, with my needs, with my doubts or anything like that. It was just the word of God. And I remember their excuse was always, pues la palabra de Dios nunca vuelve vacía, which is true. But there's a practical way to teach that according to Jesus. When Jesus taught the people, he never gave parables or examples to farmers that had nothing to do with farmers. He never gave them examples that had to do or that athletes could relate to or he never gave athletes parables or examples that weren't relatable to them that were relatable to farmers so everything jesus taught was relatable they could understand it and so why is this important it's important because you see that every time jesus taught the people he taught the people according to their needs but always obviously pointing to the father but then he also knew the needs because he was amongst the people. The most important thing that I'm going to be talking about and, and hammering this next year is being amongst the people. Because it doesn't matter how spiritual you are or how spiritual we may think we are or how much time we have invested in ministry. That has nothing to do with it. I grew up in church. I was a youth pastor or youth leader. Um, when I was 15 years old, everybody was older than me. That means absolutely nothing. Now, yes, that gave me some experience, but the people that I'm ministering to now are not the same people that I had to minister when I was 15 years old. The needs are different. The, the worldview has changed. All of these things have changed. So we cannot live according to, to past glories. And, and I say that even for us. In 2024, we can't live according to what we did in 2023. Oh, you know, in 2023, man, yeah, we used to do this and we used to do that. Okay, that's great, but that was in 2023. We're in 2024 now. What are we doing and how are we staying consistent? What are we doing now? When we get to heaven, it's not going to be, um, well, I gave my life to you, Lord, at a VBS, you know, one time. It's, it's not going to be that. That's not going to get us into heaven. 
it's going to be what do we consistently do and where did we stand firm in in other words what were we presently doing the moment that we were taken up to heaven does that make sense mm-hmm. i've talked to i have a friend i probably shouldn't say this because maybe he might hear this so i have friends in other areas that we always talk about ministry um, um, stories all the time. And his whole thing always goes back to when he was 22 or 23 years old. This dude's hitting 50 now. And he's always talking about when he was 22, 23 years old. And I remember this, and I remember that, and I remember this. And I remember, man, we would stay up till like 2, 3 in the morning, man. We'd be praying. Man, okay, what are you doing now? Uh, nothing. Do you go to church? I mean, whenever I can. All those stories are great and they may inspire somebody, but they mean nothing now because you're not doing anything now. And so what am I trying to say here? I'm trying to say is stay amongst the people and stay consistent in everything that you do. And all that we do, stay consistent because that's the only way that we're going to advance. That's the I'll I'll be honest with you. I think this happens um, and people won't voice it. But did you know that there are people who are waiting for the day that the youth group of Philadelphia is no longer the... See, I told you it was going to be over. It, oh, man, see, it was just... It lasted... They had a good run, two to three years. It, man, it's, it's gone now. Ever since, you know, Lalo left. Ever since Jacob left. Ever since Karen left. Ever since uh, Kareli left. Yeah, it's, it's not the same anymore. People are waiting for that. But... When we take a step back and we understand that God has given us this ministry to manage, we understand that it's not our ministry. It's God's. He's just entrusting us to manage it. And this will stand as long as God wants it to stand. And this will last as long as God wants it to last. If I leave tomorrow, the ministry is not going to go down a hill. I really believe that if I leave, once I leave, I think it's going to go into another level and it's going to be greater. Why? Because there's younger people. There's brighter ideas. There's people who are more passionate, who love Jesus more. Now, as far as experience-wise, will they have to learn the same stuff that I learned? Yeah, but I believe it's got to grow. That's the only thing that can happen. So there are people that are waiting for the downfall uh, of, of ministries, and not just our ministry, but even you, you, your personal life. I remember when Philadelphia started, there was uh, churches and pastors that called... Well, he wasn't the pastor then, but he's our pastor now. He, they called and they said, we give your church six months. In six months, you guys are going to be coming back here begging for a place to stay. And so I remember it was five years later, I think it was. Four, four or five years later, the same group of people that said that were calling our pastor to see if they could rent the building because they couldn't find a building for their little fellowship stuff that they would have of churches. And we said, yeah, that's fine. You can use our building. I don't think we even charged them. They're like, yeah, you can come in here. So everybody came in here and everybody was blown away by what God was doing. But why, why? was it that God loved us more than God loved them? No, it goes back to one thing and it's obedience. God will bless obedience. And we studied that last week. Um, Jesus tells the disciples, you feed them. And so they didn't say, well, now we don't have anything. What do we, what do you expect us to do? Who are we? No, they followed through with whatever Jesus told them to do. And he multiplied the loaves and the fishes. Why? Because of obedience. So today I want to talk about two things in regards to following Jesus. The first part in regards to following Jesus and the second in regards 
to staying with Jesus. Um, Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 21. Matthew chapter 8 verse... Well, let's start from verse 18. Matthew 28 verse 18. You guys have it? Yeah. Amen. Go ahead and read it, Dana. From, from, from 18 to uh, 22. Wait, hold up. We just went blank. Oh, man. That's not you good. Matthew 8. Yeah, Matthew, Matthew 8. Which, by the way, I, I want to tell you guys. If you can... I, well, I'm sure you can, so I'm not going to say if you can. When you can, go buy yourself, bless you, go buy yourself an actual tangible Bible. Don't depend on digital Bibles anymore. Here's the reason why. Because there's a campaign that has already started, and it's, it's just a matter of time before it gets here to the United States. But because it's a digital, it's an app, they're already starting to change certain things within Scripture in certain countries. Because it doesn't go with or according to what the country stands for. So it's just a matter of time before it gets here to the United States. So you can't depend on digital Bibles anymore. Um, it's just going to be a matter of time. So when you can, buy yourself a tangible real Bible. Okay? Go, go ahead. Read it. From 18? From 18. Yeah, 18 to 22. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And the scribe came up, to him, came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. In, in the first part of this scripture, is we see the cost or what it takes to follow Jesus. So Jesus, um, in this scripture... It says uh, that, that Jesus saw a crowd around him, so he gave orders to go to the other side. The scribe came up to him and said, Teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. Many of us have decided to follow Jesus because A, he helped us. B, he transformed our lives. You might have grown into it. There was probably a moment where you really questioned your faith, and that happened to me. And then you decided, you know what? This is the real thing. This is what I'm going to follow. But many people do follow Jesus because of what he does for them in a certain moment. Because the Holy Spirit touches them. They feel this relief, this, this, this joy, this supernatural joy. So in a moment like that, when Jesus does something, many people are very quick to make promises to God that they have not sat down to count the cost. And this is something similar to what's going on here. The scribe said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus didn't say automatically, wow, that's amazing. Yes, come follow me. How many churches and how many pastors and ministers do we know that if somebody comes, um, even when somebody's come to the youth group, I've, I've talked to them. I've, I've had to start to do, to do that. I've had to talk to them, say, what are your intentions? Why do you want to come here? What makes you want to come here? What are you looking for? Because while we're trying to get people saved, there's also, you have to understand that while God may send people, the devil also sends people. And so... Jesus doesn't say, wow, this is amazing. This is great. Wow, we got another one saved. What does he say? He says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Does anybody know what Jesus is actually saying in that moment? He's going to be a nomad. Exactly. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, look, the, the animals are going to have it better than you. The Son of Man, Jesus, myself, 
I have no home. I have no place to rest my head. In other words, the cost of following Jesus, if you're really going to follow Jesus, even, even here in the United States, you have to be willing to give up the comfort of your own home. You have to have that kind of attitude if you're really going to be a follower of Jesus. Here's the reason why. Because when you don't develop that attitude or you don't decide in your heart that you would be willing to give up the comfort of your own home to follow Jesus, that will always produce a grip from the enemy to hold you back. And you'll never give 100% to God. That's why Jesus says uh, in Matthew 16, 24, he says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. There's three things we see in there. Let him deny himself, number one. Number two, take up the cross, a responsibility, and then you can follow Jesus. Most people have trouble with the first thing. Why? Because we live here in the United States. And in the United States, it's the American dream. It's the... It's all about your dreams. It's your dream life, your dream house, your dream car, your dream family. All of that stuff does not matter to Jesus. I'll tell you how strict, not how strict, but how, um, and what's the word that I'm looking how extreme Jesus is. Um, in that same passage, Matthew chapter 8, um, you see the following. So after Jesus says that, the Bible says in verse 21, another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Then Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. What's happening here? Have you ever asked yourself, why did that man say, hey, let me bury my father first? You know what he was saying? It's not that his father had just died. It wasn't that. What he was saying was, hey, save my spot. Let me go enjoy my family first. Let me enjoy my father until he dies. And let me bury him. After he's dead, after that time has gone by, then I'll follow you. And Jesus says, let the dead bury their own dead. In other words, there's two groups of people in regards to following Jesus. Either you're 100% on the boat with Jesus or you're not at all. And unfortunately, here in the United States, we have created a... It's, I always say it's black and white, but we've created many gray lines, many blurry lines where it's like I can follow Jesus, but I can also accomplish everything that I want to accomplish. When you see this here, you see that Jesus is saying it's either me or it's them, but you can't have both. When we read the story of Peter walking on water, there's the group that stays on the boat and then there's Peter who decides to believe in Jesus. What's the difference between both of them? The difference is, is Peter, for the rest of his life, he could say he walked on water and the disciples could never. Why? Because they were overtaken by fear. Because one of the biggest things that the enemy will attack people with is fear. Fear of losing my dreams, my hopes, my desires, everything I hoped for, everything I worked for. Everything, I, I, I got to get a degree. I, I got to study. I got to start my own business. I, I, I got to do that. Okay. Who came first? Was it the degree? Was it the business? Or was it Jesus? Who is going to produce something for your life? The degree, the business, the family, or Jesus? Jesus can do it all. The problem with most leadership here in the United States is the following. 
we're very good at preaching it. We're terrible at actually living it out. That's the problem. Now, what happens here? What's happening here is an excuse. And I call it a spiritual excuse. Because many people will hide behind a spiritual excuse. What do I mean by that? I've, I've seen it time and time again where people will get upset in a ministry and they say, well, I'm going to go to this ministry. Let's say, oh, I'm upset with the, with the youth, so I'm going to go work in the children's ministry now. Uh, I'm upset with the children's ministry, I'm going to go work in the worship ministry. I'm going to go work in the Serviotas, whatever it is. And if we really take the time to analyze our motives as to why we do what we do, you'll find out that a lot of moves and a lot of things are spiritual excuses. This is what they are. And I'll tell you why. Because most people make moves and they'll say this, I've been praying, they'll always say that, and I think God is saying this, or I feel like God is saying this, or I believe God has spoken to me. When you read scripture, it's never, I feel, I think, maybe, I think God's speaking, I think it's never, it's either God calls a person and gives you the destination where you should go, what you ought to do. What did Jesus tell this, this disciple? The disciple said, let me go bury my father first. And Jesus said what? Yeah. He's very specific and he's very clear. God is not a confused God that he's going to speak to you in riddles. He's not. God is a very clear God. And because he's a very clear God, that means he's a God of order. And because he's a God of order, guess what? He's going to tell us to do things in an orderly fashion. So what ends up happening? Um, and I want you guys to realize this and, and to learn this because later in life, uh, it may happen to you. It may not. You may come across a situation. You may not. But there is a blessing that is tied to your geographic location. I'll, I'll put it that way. What do I mean by that? There is a blessing that is tied to the ministry that you submit yourself under. Once you remove yourself from under that ministry, there goes that blessing. Why were the disciples so blessed? Because they were under who? Jesus. Jesus. Okay. Now, did John the Baptist also have disciples? Mm -hmm. Do you think they were blessed? Yes. yes. Did they have the same blessing that the disciples of Jesus had? No. no. As mass, you, you, you read scripture and you find out that these disciples... Kind of threw shots at, at these disciples. Well, these dudes don't even wash their hands, man. What are they doing? These dudes are always eating. It was different. Now, they were both blessed, but it was different blessing. Why? Because of who they were submitted under. So there'll come a time, there'll come a moment with you guys as, as leaders where either A, you'll be offered an opportunity, and there's nothing wrong with that, as long as you know that God has given you the green light. Um, or B, you're going to get tired, you're going to get stressed, or there's going to come a moment where um, you feel like giving up and you're just running on empty. And in that moment, the enemy comes with a very nice opportunity and you have to learn to distinguish that. Is it God? Is it the enemy? Is it me? How am I feeling? And then make a decision on that. 
because when you decide to move out of God's will, you lose a huge blessing. I'll tell you guys very quickly. Have you guys heard of Israel Hutton, the guy that wrote uh, Lord, You Are Good? Okay, well, he wrote Lord, You Are Good. <laughs> um, he was the worship leader at Lakewood. While he was there, he had a huge impact. The moment he left, his impact went down. Now, it's a select number of people that know who he is. And most people, you have to be a musician or part of a worship team to know who he is. Most people don't know who he is. Why? Because there is a blessing that's lost. Why? Because he moved. Now, I'm not saying he moved out of God's will. The whole story and everything that happened, it's questionable. I'm not going to get into that. What I'm saying is, as long as he was there, you could see it clearly from far away. Now, it's very different. Why? Because when you decide to move out of the blessing of God or the, the leadership you're under, things are going to change. I'm not saying it's going to be terrible. I'm not saying que te va a ir mal. Again, Jesus had his disciples. John the Baptist had his disciples. And the blessings were completely different. So what ends up happening is we have to learn to be honest and to speak truth at all times. One of the worst things, and I, it, it, it irritates me, is talking to a lot of Bible school students who are involved in ministries because they have the absolute most annoying language ever. I just feel like I'm in a season of like waiting and the Father wants me to just lay in the, in the green grass and rest. Like, okay, what does that mean? You know, it just means, you know, I just want to minister the heart of the Father. What does that mean? What are you, what are you trying to say? Can you, can you make that? Can you put that in, in, in like normal people, Christian terms? What does that mean? And so you come up with all of these excuses that mean absolutely nothing. You come up with all of these phrases that mean absolutely nothing, but they sound super spiritual, but they mean absolutely nothing. So you have to be careful to not hide behind these excuses. You know, I just and, and the thing is, now you have the other side uh, of 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 this, which is now it's not the Christian talk, but now it's like, you know, it's just people just trying to be main character. What does that even mean? What are you trying to say? Learn to communicate. That's what I'm saying. When you're in leadership, you don't talk like everybody else. You don't see Jesus talking like everybody else. There is a standard. There's a standard not only in behavior, but there's a standard also in the way that you talk. Um, and, and, and yeah, I think I'll say this because of my age, but man, I can't understand half of the stuff that most of these kids talk about. But you know what's most irritating? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> what's most irritating is being around leaders who also express themselves the same way that everybody else expresses themselves. And, 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 and you're 15. No, what, how old are you? I'm 21. You're 20, 14. That's not a lot. And so it's, what I'm saying is your mentality has to develop and it has to mature. Because by the time, let's say you're 21, by the time you're 34, those words are no, they came and they're gone. <laughs> And it's the same thing 
in in Christianity, it's the same thing in, in, in ministry. If you don't learn to detect the things that are only temporary, guess what? Even in ministry, you'll never detect the things that are temporary. If you're quick to adapt, oh, this is what's in right now, then guess what? Tomorrow, God puts you in charge of a ministry, you're going to adapt all the stuff that's in. Oh, man, everybody's like posting content and making videos. I got to post content and make videos for what? Is that what God called you to do? No, he didn't call you to do that. He called you to preach. Well, they're preaching through social media. You can make excuses all day long. But at the end of the day, you're standing behind a camera, you're making money, and that's your goal. How many of these people do you see that go out there not to make content, but actually without a camera to preach to the people, to disciple the people, to get the people safe and actually work? You see very few of them. So what I'm saying to you is you have to think outside. You have to think like Jesus thought and not hide our desires or, or lack of character behind spiritual excuses. Um, and I'll finish with this because it's already 631. So the first thing is be willing to give up the comfort of your home. The second is don't hide behind spiritual excuses. To be willing to give up the comfort of your own home, I think it really... Um, it really challenges us to think about our desires and what we want in this life. When we are not willing to give that up, it's like a hook. Oh, it's like this. I found out the other day that this sweater has, a, has this hole right here. I had no idea until I was looking at it and I thought it ripped, but it's a hole to, like, to do this. This is what it looks like to not give up the comfort of your own home. When you have this, Anybody can come and just grab and pull. And guess what? You go with it. But the moment that you decide, I'm willing to give up anything to follow Jesus, ¿de dónde se agarra el enemigo? Where is the enemy going to grab a hold of you? And that's what keeps people from following Jesus. Oh, you know, I, I know I have a calling or I know I really want to serve God, but man. And, and I, I think I did this before. Um, what I asked you guys do you do you love God or do you serve God 100%? And then we threw up all the excuses on the board and everybody was like, uh, yeah, no, you're right. So we say we, we love God 100%, but then families in town, friends have come in. Well, there's a job opportunity. Well, they invited me to go here and I kind of really want to go. Well, I got invited to go shopping. I got asked to go out to eat. And so everybody's willing to follow Jesus until something comes up that they really have a desire to do. And that is where the loyalty of Jesus really comes in. Um, people see ministers, the outside part of the minister. You know, you might see pastors by that season that they're prospered. It's like, wow, they were prospered to have their whole family, to have this nice home, to have this nice car. Or you might see evangelists, wow, they get to travel and they get to do all these things. But nobody actually stops to think about behind the scenes everything that they had to sacrifice. Because nothing in this life comes without a sacrifice. Jesus calls us to sacrifice ourselves. He says, deny yourself. That's hard enough as it is. Secondly, carry your cross. That's heavy. And that's even harder. And then follow me. So, with that said... I want us to ask ourselves this question. As far as small groups is concerned, are we serving small groups 
the same way that we would say, yeah, Jesus, I'll do anything for you. Kevin, how many people do you have in your small group? Two. You have three. Three is only two, Derek and Jonathan. And your brother. And he's not in there. He's not in yours? Hmm? He's not in your small group? Who's he, Whose small group is he in? Wait, what? Whose small group is your brother in? Sergio's. He's in Sergio's? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. I made that change last minute. Okay, so Derek and... Uh, Jonathan. Jonathan. Do you have both their numbers? Okay. When was the last time you talked to Derek? Uh, yesterday. When was the last time you talked to Jonathan? Like two months ago. When was the last time you hung out with Derek? Not counting his birthday. <laughs> I didn't go to uh, You didn't even go? <laughs> when was the last time you hung out with Jonathan? How long have you had Jonathan in your small group? Since beginning like two, three months ago. Two or three months ago? How many times have you contacted Jonathan within two or three months? Last time was two months ago. Two months ago. Gotcha. So what I'm saying, this is, uh, and I'm using Kevin because tenemos confianza. Because if I use somebody else, I'm be like, oh, why do you pick me? Why, why is he, why? And so Kevin knows I'm not doing for that. Well, I'm using that example for this reason. When was the last time everybody here checked social media or took the time to send a reel or send a text message or was on the phone for more than five minutes? We all have time. The problem is we're not intentional with carrying out the work of the ministry. We say we have time for Jesus. We say we'll follow Jesus everywhere. The problem is when it comes to it, we don't. And this is exactly what happened here. This man said, I'll go wherever you go. Jesus said, foxes have holes, birds have nests. Son of man doesn't have a place to rest his head. So if you're really wanting to follow Jesus, Everywhere he goes, it's a life of sacrifice. The whole teaching for today, it's a life of sacrifice. That's all it is. You have three people, two people, I'm sorry, you have two people. And many of you guys have more. Karen, how many do you have? Six. Six. Isabelle, how many do you have? Seven. Seven. If God can't entrust us now with two, six, seven people, why do we think or why are we waiting for the moment that God's going to entrust us with thousands of people? Wow, I'm just waiting for the moment where, you know, I get to go to the nations and I, I get to minister to the nations. You can't even minister to the small group. Why would God open those doors for all of us? When we get to heaven, what are those famous words that people always mention? It? It's in the scripture. What are those words? Well done. Good and faithful servant. And then what's the second part? Huh? Um, depart. depart from me? Yeah, it's like, depart from me? No! I thought you said I did good. En lo poco fuiste, en lo mucho te. So he expects us to be faithful in the little. He expects every single one of us to be faithful in the little. It's not easy. I get it. It's not easy. You know how many times I've cried over, over these students? How many times they've made me so mad and I, it makes me go and pray? But... I develop love for them because God is going to ask me for an account of them now. What did you do? How did you minister to them? And if God has directed me to put people like you to work alongside with you guys, 
Guess who else he's going to ask for an account for? You. We're all in the same boat. Surprise. So we're all going to give an account to God. And this isn't a way to scare you or to say anything. It's the reality. It's the truth. That once we get to heaven, it's, that's great. You got to preach. You got to sing. You got to travel. You got to do all these nice things. You got to play. Okay, what about the souls that I entrusted you? God's not going to say, hey, you know, uh, give me an account for th those guitars I blessed you with down there. Give, give me an account for, for those microphones I gave you. Give me an account for the, those, those, uh, those phones that you took pictures with, those flyers, really cool flyers you made with thousands of people. That's great. Where are the two people I entrusted you with? That's what matters to God. All of that stuff will come. Uh, it's so weird because I've always been kind of weirded out with uh, flyers with my picture on them. I'm like, mm -hmm. it's, just, it's just weird for me. And when I go preach, you know, they'll get pictures or whatever it is. And like, hermano, aquí está, you know, para que invite a la gente. No, but I'll share it. I'm like, okay, hermano, sí, claro que sí. But the thing is, is, is you don't go there to be famous. You don't, you don't go there to, hey, you got to pay for this. You got to, we're nobody. And I'll finish with this. Um, they asked the preacher one time, what is the gospel? We, he answered the same way, the, the same way that all of us would answer. It's the good news. It's, you know, Jesus dying on the cross. That's great. He said, all the gospel is, is one hungry person, one beggar who found the bread going to show another beggar where the bread is. That's all it is. We're no different than anybody on the street. The only difference is we decided to believe in Jesus and he forgave us. And now he calls us to go and do the same. Somebody preached to us. Somebody preached to our parents one day. And that's why we're here. And now what does he want us to do? He wants us to go and tell other people about Jesus. But in the meantime, also to raise up these people that are here, the young people. Amen? Any questions? Anything you guys want to share? No?